Coach John Wooden is considered by many to be the greatest basketball coach in NCAA history. Now, Wooden coached the UCLA Bruins from 1948 to 1975, and he led the team to win 10 NCAA championships in a 12-year span. That's quite an accomplishment. Now, many winning coaches through the years have used a framework for success that includes focusing on the fundamentals. But Wooden takes that to the extreme. At the start of each season, when he would meet with a new team, he would spend about a half hour giving step-by-step instructions on the correct way to put on your socks. Because in order to play the game, he would say, you have to start with a good foundation. And putting on your socks correctly is critical. If you don't, you get blisters. And if you get blisters, it impacts everything else you do as a player. And ultimately, that affects the whole team. So this begs the question, as Christian parents, have we gotten so wrapped up in the game of life that we've neglected or even forgotten the basics? Well, today we'll be talking with two men who'd likely agree that we have, our host, Trace Embry, and today's guest, best-selling parenting author, John Roseman. Putting on your parenting socks, that's next on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to the broadcast. Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a ministry founded by Trace Embry over 20 years ago. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens and their families. And it's our hope that we can share some of what we learn each day inside the gates of Shepherds Hill so that you can become more intentional in the way you raise your children. And Trace, I think you have said that today's guest, John Roseman, has written a book on parenting that you now no longer need to write. Why do you say that? Yeah, via email, I've already told John, I've wadded up my manuscript because there's no point in reinventing the wheel. Uh, So I've got nothing to say beyond this. If you're a Christian parent, and I'd say the same thing to every non-Christian parent listening out there today, uh, you need to soak in this broadcast and then use whatever measure you need to to get this book immediately. It's spot on. It's called The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. Uh, John could have probably replaced the word Bible in the title and replaced it with the words real science and been just as spot on. I might have called it the uh, real science parenting code, revealing God's perfect parenting plan through science, but without all the uh, industry politics, lunacy, greed, and narcissism and self-delusion. I don't know, it's (laughs) probably too long a subject. A little long, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, for thousands of years, raising kids was was common sense, and it worked pretty well. But no, we we like everything else. We had to we had to pick at it uh, because we're smarter than God. We don't like the guardrails or fences that God's put up for our protection, our own good. And, and that's why I quote very often. I'm going to quote it again: G.K. Chesterton, who said, "Before you tear down a fence." find out why it was put up in the first place. And that's what we're going to take a swing at over the next two weeks with our our guest, John Roseman. Yes, we are. And to do that, let's bring John into the conversation. John Roseman has worked with families, children, and parents since 1971 in the field of family psychology. Uh, Presently, though, his time is devoted to speaking and writing primarily. John's work is syndicated in a couple of hundred newspapers nationwide. He's written, I think, about 20 best-selling parenting books and is also one of a America's most popular speakers in the field of parenting. Uh, By the way, John and his wife normally live in North Carolina. That is when they're not camped out at some undisclosed location as they are today in their Airstream camper. Well, John, welcome back to License to Parents. Always a pleasure and encouragement to talk with you. Well, thank you, Trey, and thank you for those very gracious remarks concerning uh, the Bible parenting code. 
uh, let's say, uh, a wry title, and uh, hope we get into it in our conversation. John, Psalm 11.3 just happened to be the theme of my two-day presentation to our parents in in our most recent parent conference. Tell us what that verse says and why it's so apropos for parents, particularly Christian parents, in uh, today's America. Well, it's a very short and uh, pithy sort of verse. Um, uh, It reads in most translations something along these lines, uh, when even the foundations are being destroyed. What can the righteous do? It's a lament, and um, it's very, very pertinent to our times and very pertinent to what has been happening over the last 50 years concerning what we now in America call parenting, um, of which I am supposedly an expert by training and the license from the North Carolina Psychology Board, I am a psychologist, but I am a renegade psychologist in that I go around the country and in, at every opportunity uh, tell people the truth about psychology and what it has done to uh, what used to be a very simple process, uh, and it used to be called child rearing. Uh, the mental health community uh, began presenting themselves to the American public, selling themselves to the American public in the late 60s and early 70s as the go-to experts concerning child rearing. They changed the word from child rearing to parenting. That word was first used in 1970, believe it or not, most Young parents have no idea of that. They probably think uh, George Washington was parented. No, he was raised. Um, And uh, so what they basically promised was that by listening to them, supposed mental health experts, uh, when it came to the rearing of children, that we would do a much better job, raise more emotionally resilient, emotionally healthy children who would do better in school, do better in social relationships, and overall just have better mental health. The truth has now been revealed over the last 50 years since we began listening to psychologists like myself and other mental health professionals tell us how to raise kids. The mental health of American children has plummeted. It is by the most conservative estimate, 10 times worse today than it was in the 1950s when uh, if you as a parent had a problem in the raising of a child, you didn't go to a psychologist. You went to your mother, the child's grandmother, your father, the child's grandfather. And if an extended family elder was not available in your uh, hometown, you went to an elder, a respected elder outside your family. You went to an elder in your church. And the person that you went to may not have had more than an eighth grade education, but uh, having uh, seen what psychology has done to the raising of children in America, I venture to say that, and I think this is factual. Those people, by and large, gave much better advice to parents 
than have mental health professionals over the last 50 years. Well, I remember as a kid, you know, uh, you know I, I was born in 56. Uh, I remember as a kid in the mid-60s, uh, early 60s, uh, Dr. Spock was all the rage. I mean, he was like the, the god of uh, childhood. And everyone talked about Dr. Spock and the new things he was bringing forth. And I guess our, our parents didn't have any way to really know uh, what monster he was bringing into the equation. Well, uh, Spock's, uh, uh, his, his uh, quote, evolution, end quote, is very interesting. When he wrote the first edition of his book, The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care, published in 1946, he was pretty much a traditionalist. When it came to advice concerning child behavior, he didn't deviate really in any sort of significant way from uh, what people had been saying and the advice that elders had been passing along for generations. But with subsequent uh, editions of his book, and I think the first subsequent edition was in the early 60s, he began to incorporate a lot of bogus psychological theory into his advice. And uh, by the time the 19, I believe it was 68 revision was released, he was completely off the rails. But initially he was, his advice was very sound. Uh, and then he just went down a rabbit hole. There's, there's something that gets tainted along the line when profit, uh, exposure, fame, uh, you know, it, 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 it can do it to anybody, I guess. I'm not saying that is the case with Spock, but it sure seemed like it. Yeah, it was the case with Spock. And what, what has happened is, going back to the psalm that we began this discussion with, is that the, the foundations of child rearing, uh, which in America were clearly based prior to the psychological parenting revolution of the late 60s, early 70s, they were clearly based on God's word. They were clearly based on scriptural principle. And uh, the mental health community, which is one of the most atheistic uh, communities, professional communities in America, uh, just uh, went about to destroy uh, in a very purposeful way, destroy all of the principles and the assumptions upon which traditional child rearing was built and replace those principles and assumptions with principles and assumptions based um, on, I used the word earlier and I'll continue to use it, bogus psychological theory. Most people don't know that no theory no psychological theory of human nature has ever been proven true. So we're listening. We're, when we listen to psychologists tell us how to raise kids, we're listening to people who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but wasn't there a, a perfect storm emerging in the 60s uh, in addition to this, this uh, new look at, at child rearing? Uh, Postmodern thought had come into the equation. Uh, and, and I, you know, that's a horse that I whip pretty dead horse, but I've whipped pretty regularly around here. Uh, can, can you, uh, John, tell, tell us why it's so important for today's parent to understand how this worldview has tainted uh, what little biblical worldview that uh, many Christian parents still have left? 
Well, uh, in the 1960s, our entire culture went through, experienced what is called by sociologists a paradigm shift. And we, we transited during that decade from a culture rooted in tradition and respectful of tradition uh, to a culture that was uh, postmodern and progressive. And, uh, you know, the, the, that is shorthand for a culture that no longer had respect for tradition in any way, shape, or form. The centerpiece of postmodernity is moral and ethical relativism. And the centerpiece of progressivism is the very seductive, alluring idea that new ideas are better than old ideas. Progressives believe in the evolution of thought uh, in the same way that Darwinists believe in the evolution of species. When the mental health professions in the late 60s, early 70s began uh, disseminating these new ideas that stood in polar opposition to the biblically informed uh, child-rearing paradigm that Americans had practiced for generations. Um, because these ideas were new, they were exciting, uh, they were interesting, and uh, without really understanding the ramifications of doing so, uh, the typical American parent, including the typical American Christian parent, and this is still the case, um, embraced these ideas uh, and, and regarded them as truth when <laughs> something that stands in polar opposition mm -hmm. to biblical principle yeah. is by definition a lie. Well, they were deceptively free. Uh, they, 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 they looked at them as, this is freeing us from the bondage of all these constraints that the church and, and scripture had, had, had put us into. But old-fashioned doesn't mean outdated. Uh, but we're going to talk more uh, after the break about uh, some of this stuff and uh, get into uh, the meat of some things. Indeed we are. There's a new book out. Trace Embry says you need to get it and read it. It's called The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. It's uh, from our guest today, John Roseman, and it's available at his website, roseman.com, or wherever you get your books. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. We'll be back with more conversation with John Roseman right after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day -day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall to be completed by the end of the year, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? 
you're raising future responsible adults. But they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. And you can find us online along with all of our past conversations with other guests on parenting topics of interest at LicensedToParent.org. Today, though, we're talking with John Roseman. He's the author of the book, The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan and... John, I I hate to say it, but with the word code in there, I tend to think of books like The Da Vinci Code. I don't think you're talking about that with this book, are you? No, that's why I said earlier on it's a wry title. I'm using the term code not to mean that there is some parenting cryptogram embedded in the uh, original Hebrew text or anything like that. I'm using the word code as the military would use the word code. Uh, code of conduct. And uh, Mm, I'm using it to uh, refer to a set of principles or guidelines by which people are supposed to conduct themselves relative to a certain responsibility or task. And so what I'm saying in the book is, look, the, the, the Bible is an impeccable guide uh, inerrant guide to uh, living. And there is nothing that the Bible about living a proper life that the Bible does not address. And interestingly enough, this is what I discovered in the course of researching this book for maybe, I don't know, 10 years before I wrote it. And that is that there are many, many scripture that do not refer ostensibly to children, parents, families, parental responsibilities, and yet pertain very significantly and directly to those issues. So, for example, when Jesus answers the, uh, the young lawyer, I believe he is, uh, who, who asks him, what is, the, what, what is the first and greatest commandment? Jesus uh, says, trust God with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit. And the second, he goes on to say, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. How that pertains to parenting is that our first obligation in the raising of a child is not to the child. Our first obligation is to God the Father. And God the Father created us. Uh, he is the father of all of us, and we should be acting as parents, human parents, 
as his proxies. And that brings in Genesis 1, the 26, 27, 28, where he clearly says that he is creating us in his likeness, in his image. But when he says that we are to be his likeness, it means that we are on earth to act as his proxies, to do his will. And he has a will when it comes to the raising of his children. He has a plan. And we as his proxies uh, need to be uh, parenting from, or child-rearing more specifically, on the basis of that plan, which is clearly discoverable in Scripture. And so, uh, you know, I'm saying, in addition to that, I tell parents, and your second most uh, significant obligation is now to your child. First obligation is to God, and your second obligation is to your neighbor, and your third obligation is to your child. So, in any given childering situation, what does God want of me? What uh, course of action most benefits my neighbor, broadly defined, and thirdly, what course of action is in my child's best interest, whether he appreciates that fact or not. Yeah. You know, in, in, in our parent conference last week, I went over this very thing, and it startled some of our parents. I, I said, uh, uh, I told them my experience with my kids. I, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, I've told my kids from the time they were pups, you know, you're not the most important thing in my life. Mom is before you. God is before mom. I'm glad mom has another man in her life. His name is Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, if you and mom are drowning in a, in, a, in, a, in a lake and I can only save one, I'm going for mom. She was here before you got here. She'll be here when you leave. And they were okay with that. It, it actually gave them a sense of security. And I don't think a lot of parents uh, really understand the pecking order. I mean, if we, because so many parents tell me, you know, I just want Junior happy. He's the most important thing in my life. I've, he's got to be healed. T please guarantee me you can. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If Junior's the most important thing in your life, where does that leave your spouse? And more importantly, where does that leave God in the equation? Because, you know, we're a Christ-centered program, but I can't assume that everyone that, that claims to be Christian that, that comes through here are living a Christ-centered life or uh, uh, are serious about a biblical worldview. Barna says, I think, what, about 2% now are actually living out what they claim to believe. So these are fundamentals that you talk about in your book as well that we have got to get back to. Uh, but my question is, uh, whether uh, a person claims to be a Christian or not, they might be a, a garden variety heathen, but can the principles found in Scripture, can they still be of benefit to parents uh, who are, might be listening to this broadcast who may not claim to be Christians? Oh, absolutely. There, there's, uh, <laughs> you, you don't have to be a Christian to understand biblical principle, and you don't have to be a Christian or have uh, gone to graduate school in order to apply biblical principle in your life. Um, you know, uh, a good example of this is my own childhood. I was, uh, my mother uh, after she went to graduate school, she became an atheist, and she married her second marriage when I was seven years old. Uh, she married an atheist. And so I was raised by two atheists who taught Darwin's theory at the university level in Illinois and Chicago, and a very intellectual household. Uh, nonetheless, when I look back 
on my childhood, the specifics, the values, the principles, the understandings that guided my mother and stepfather when it came to my upbringing and the upbringing of their two children um, that they uh, subsequently had, um, I, I, I see biblical principle. Those principles were so embedded in American culture that even people who did not subscribe to a biblical worldview um, were employing those principles in the raising of their children, even though they did not know their origin. And one of the glaring problems in today's childering culture, uh, and it is a glaring problem in the Christian community, is that people who are raising children, once they start raising children, husband and wife goes out the window. And the roles of mom and dad replace husband and wife. And that is a, it is a deadly thing. You know, it's, it's almost, I, I tell people this all the time. You have kids and you begin acting like you took a vow on your wedding day that said, I take you to be my husband, I take you to be my wife until children do us part. Because then you stop acting like you're married and you act like your primary role in the family is that of mom and dad. And I tell people all the time, look, if you parent primarily from the roles of husband and wife, then you will do a better job. And furthermore, you will be on the same page. It's just God's ecosystem. And, uh, you know, when you get that out of whack, that's when you find Junior pitting both ends against the middle, mom against dad. And uh, if that happens with you folks, uh, know that you, you may have went to a, uh, a child-centric paradigm in your family. But we are out of time, and, and John has been gracious enough to come back for a second program. There's just so much to go through. We've, we've not even scratched the surface here. Yep, and what a great place to land for today's program. Again, our guest on License to Parent is John Roseman. He's the author of uh, some 20 books on parenting, all of them good, but the one we're talking about today is the newest. It's called The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan, available at rosemond.com. That's rosemond, spelled R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com, or wherever you get your books, and it is a terrific resource. And let me mention another resource as well. If you have a troubled teen in your home and nothing seems to be working, it may be time to get some outside help from a residential program like Shepherd's Hill Academy. Now, the kids who come to Shepherd's Hill really do stay here for an entire year, living here, going to school here, working with licensed counselors here, and getting their lives turned around. If you're wondering if a residential program might be the best next step for your family, I encourage you to contact us today. You'll find a link to Shepherd's Hill on our website, licensedtoparent.org. And from there, you can contact our office and you can find out more. Help is available, but it requires you to take that first step. Now, if you are not a parent of a troubled teen, let me ask a favor. Would you be willing to help change the life of one? The kids who come here often have one foot in the jail and the other in the grave. But when they leave here, they leave here changing the world for Christ. In fact, one young man went on to become a youth pastor, a husband, and a father, and made such an impact on another family in his church that they felt compelled to write and to thank us. Now, your gift to our ministry in any amount can change one life, and that life changes many others. 
So please help by going to our website, LicensedToParent.org, and clicking the Donate button at the top of the page. And again, thank you. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. Next week, part two of our conversation with John Roseman and our host, Trace Embry. In the meantime, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again then to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.